Hi everyone, and welcome to the 166th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here with Churro! Hey guys. Dude, we have something really big this time. <gasps> what, what is it? They got new bentos at 7-Eleven. Oh, no. I haven't had bento in a long time. <laughs> Everybody craps on 7-Eleven food in America. Do not crap on the 7-Eleven food in Japan. I get a lot of food from 7-Eleven over here. It's it's decent. I'm, I'm, I mean, there are better options, you know, in a lot of places. But when 7-Eleven is like your really only place to go, you know, you're going to have to learn to accept it. But Churro, even bigger than that. So we have an interview with Pixar's own creative director. She helped with... The Kingdom Hearts 3, getting Pixar stuff in the game. Tasha Sodar, yay! yay! Woo! So, we, uh, I, I had a chance to talk to her. Uh, by the way, I already recorded that interview already, so this is this is in the future. So, uh, so she's not here right now, sorry. But uh, we'll be getting to her shortly. So, anyway, for you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. And we release the show every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes Store, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, and Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at KHUnion. We have a two-segment show today. Our first segment is, what I said before, our interview with Tasha. And our second segment is our continuing Kingdom Hearts 3 discussion segment, where we will appropriately be talking about Monstropolis, you know, Monsters, Inc., Pixar Pixar World, and we'll be also talking about Frozen, you know, Arendelle and all that. In the way of announcements, as always, if you guys like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. Our Patreon executive producers are as follows. We have Nahika Blaui, Chris Morales, Zach Duranto, who's at ZDuranto58 on Twitter, Michael Graham, Barry Norton, who's at Nortron0, Thorin Bullen, who's at Massacre23, Tori Patrick, Fayez Bilal, Alex Ray Snyder, who is at Alex Ray Snyder. Louis James. Rachel Casterton, who's at Orba Yoon Ray. Mohamed Quayam. Zelda Clone, who's at Apes Type Novels. And Churro, if you could take these last ones. We got Darren Matthews, who's at Doomster73. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. Alex and Rachel Troutman at Akira Nimjin. Keith Field at The Mighty Keith. Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson. Miles Ribbons. Ishbel Ayala at Red Peppers, Rob Porter at SquirtyBertie1, David Calro, Tobias Cappy at the Tobias Cappy, Vita Nitas, and Jonic Nod at Jonic Nod. And be a part of the show! Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com and the deep dive stream continues on Twitch TV slash khunion, the next uh, Kingdom Hearts Three stream will be March 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So catch it there. We'll be playing Monsters Inc. Monstropolis. Even even better. We got lots of lots of Pixar stuff this episode, Churro. It's great. Hey, it all became aligned. Exactly. So and now we will be moving on to our interview with Pixar's own Tasha Sonart. Hello, Tasha. How you doing? I'm doing good today. It's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. 
Fantastic. So I know you have a busy schedule, so I want to get right in so we can pack in as many questions as possible. So uh, I think the first thing I want to get uh, uh, more information on is, so what is your background with Pixar and how did you get started and how did you get to where you are now? Yeah, um, so I've been working at Pixar since around, I guess it was 1997. I started um, Mm -hmm. as an animation intern. Um. And I think it was the next year after that, I got hired as an animator on A Bug's Life. So that was my first movie that I worked on. Um, and I animated on the A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, um, the short film for the birds. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the first Cars film. And then after that, I went, I left Pixar for about five and a half years and I went and worked at a company called Double Fine and they, video oh yeah, company. I know them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've always loved video games, so I just really wanted to try working on one. So, um, I knew Tim Schafer through some mutual friends. So, um, it just seemed like a good fit for me also because their company really, um, puts a big emphasis in their games on interesting art styles and, um, you know, good animation. So that was all like very, very cool to me. Um, so I was the um, lead animator on a game called Brutal Legend at Double Fine. And then I directed my own project there called Costume Quest. Um, and then after that, I felt like I needed to have another change. (laughs) Um, And so I came back to Pixar, but I didn't really, I wasn't really interested in doing what I did before because I felt like I had worked on the features before. And now since I had worked in games before, I was interested in continuing to do that in some capacity. And so when I came back to Pixar, I um, joined uh, the legacy team which is basically anything um, anything that Pixar does that's involving the Pixar characters, but it's not the film. Mm. So like um, gotcha. consumer products, video games, um, posters, um, um, theme park stuff, you know, anything that's involving our characters, it still comes through us and we have to um, make sure it's all on model and on brand and, and looks good and is telling the story in the way that we want to tell it. So, um, so I joined the legacy group and through, through that, we have a very small interactive team at Pixar. It's only about three people. (laughs) Um, and so they were really happy to get me back at Pixar because I have so much experience with all the franchises and characters at Pixar, but also I have worked on games before too. So, um, that's, sort of, you know, it makes me uh, kind of perfect for this position, which is basically now I consult on any of the video game projects that come through Pixar um, that has to do with our characters, Um, which is actually only part of my job because I'm actually in the theme parks group. But what's interesting, I think, about theme parks is there's a little bit of overlap because I feel like theme parks is sort of, you know, you're also doing immersive worlds and interactive storytelling. Absolutely. So it's something that I really like as an artist is that interact interactivity. 
it's very interesting to me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just feel like now my job is sort of this combination of all of these different things that I've had in, in my career. <laughs> That's so awesome. I'm actually going uh, for spring break. I'm going back to, to Florida and I'll be going to see some of your work. Oh, I'm great. St- I'm so excited. Great. Um, so, uh, yeah, my, I'm yeah. working on Lightning McQueen Racing Academy right now. So that's supposed to open on March 31st. I'm, I'm so, excited so I don't for know that. if you'll be going after that, but if you're going after that, then you might be able to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. So, so yeah, moving from there, uh, I just want to get a little bit more clarification on how you got attached specifically to the Kingdom Hearts project. I guess it's, you know, pretty straightforward that, you know, you being in the interactive division, the small division at Pixar, that would be part of it. But what was it like uh, getting attached to the project? And also, uh, what was your experience with the Kingdom Hearts series uh, prior to consulting on Kingdom Hearts 3? Um, yeah, so I have played the first two games, the big ones, and then a couple mm-hmm. of the smaller, the handheld titles. Um, and so I've been a big fan of this series. And just in general, I really like RPGs. Like if you've in my game, awesome. Cost- that yeah, I made you, it. Like- you were part of Costume Quest. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I, I play Costume Quest. <laughs> so I, yeah, I really like RPGs. That's like my favorite um, genre of game. And so yeah. the head of our interactive group here is named Rob Rowe. And he so it was shortly after I came back to Pixar that he came to me and said, um, you know, Kingdom. we've been talking to Square Enix about Kingdom Hearts, and I just basically freaked out. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my God, yes, we have to do that, you know. And so yeah. I think the thing that was really, I think, very beneficial in me being involved with the project is that I actually had experience playing the games before and some of the higher up people at Pixar who are in charge of making all these decisions on which projects should we do? uh, You know, Mm -hmm. they might not be big gamers or they don't even know what kingdom hearts is. So I had to do a lot of like explaining. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I, 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 that is definitely a a big theme with kingdom hearts is like, if you're not in, Mm -hmm. you need, you need a brief, you right. need some kind of explanation, some kind of primer. Yeah, and so I think it that was really so helpful cool. to have somebody who is familiar with the with the um, with the series to be able Absolutely. to be a champion for it at the studio. And so that's that's what I that's tried what to we be. Need. You know, because to me, as as a gamer, I've always wanted to see mm-hmm. Pixar in the in the series. So. When they, when they came to us and said that they wanted to do it, I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, and the the Kingdom Hearts team has been, you know, been trying to do it for so long, so I'm so glad it finally, like, right timing, right people on both sides. Mm-hmm. That's how it happened. I'm so right, happy. yeah. So uh, I guess moving from there, uh, so how would you describe your relationship working with the Kingdom Hearts team? I, I'm I'm imagining it's pretty unique considering, you know, they're in Japan and, uh, you guys are in America. What it's, what's it like to work on an international project like this? Yeah. Um, well, a couple of times I did actually get to go out to Japan, which was awesome. Oh, I just love it. So cool. So, yeah. I would yeah. love to do more projects in Japan. I'm, I'm working on my Japanese. Let's do that. Not very far along right now. Yeah. But, um, hey, no worries. If you need help, just let me yeah. know. Yeah. So I did get to visit the studio, and and I feel like – talking directly to the teams, the artists and the animators, you just get so much more 
done. You know, when I can sit there with the actual animators and go over their animation and just review it like in real time with them, it's just Mm -hmm. so beneficial, even if they don't speak the language. I did have an interpreter there with me. So, Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, it's just very, that was very um, productive. I wish I could have spent more time in person there, but, um, you know, being that I have other projects that I need to work on, I couldn't really really spend all my time there. But um, we would have about, you know, once or twice a week, we would have calls, um, video calls with their team, and mm-hmm. I would review all of their animation. So they would submit animation, or even before that, um, we were reviewing scripts and layouts, storyboards. Um, you know, they make their cutscenes much like we would make a movie. So they go through script and yeah. storyboards. and So we would review that at every phase. Um, yeah, we would have about weekly meetings with them. And, you know, we would have an interpreter there to to, uh, to translate. Awesome. Um, Do you find that there's any part of their animation pro- process that tends to be any different from what you do uh, at Pixar? Hmm. Well, I mean, game animation is a little bit different in that the especially for yeah. gameplay animation, it's um oh, yeah. you know, it's it's split up into much smaller little segments. Um yes. And so I think my experience in games really helped in reviewing the the gameplay animation. Yeah, that's awesome. Um cutscene animation, it is different and I think that some of it is like a cultural difference. Um in that they would put a lot more very dynamic camera angles <laughs> oh, on, yeah, on their sure. cutscenes than we normally would in a film. In just like characters having a conversation with each other, they would have the camera like doing a really wide shot and then going into a close up and then panning around and then and we would be kind of like, hmm. <laughs> I don't think this you would Pixar do it that way. Anime. But but at the same time, yeah. we try to be sensitive to what their vision is for their game and also culturally yeah. how their storytelling might not be exactly how we would tell a story. So we try to, we try to mm, give them, give them advice on how to use our characters, you know, the right way, but exactly, but their version of storytelling is not exactly like Pixar's. No, but no, we try to not. also, you know, be considerate of that when we're reviewing things. Oh, that's so awesome. So I guess moving from there, uh, once the collaboration was decided on, how did uh, you and Square Enix come to the decision that uh, the best way to tackle the Toy Story and Monsters, Inc. worlds would be to do them as original stories rather than, uh, you know, being beholden to the stories of the movies? Yeah, Um that was interesting. So I think I think that we it's it's sort of a personal decision because I think we felt like retelling the story from the film it just felt mm-hmm. a little weird to us to retell the story from the film but having extra characters there. Yeah. <laughs> like there's just like spying or something on the story from the film yeah it's kind of like those pre-roll advertisements from back in the day where uh they would add stitch into 
random Disney movies right. to sort of promote the film. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Interesting. I was hiding here and you didn't know I was here. <laughs> yeah, I was here the whole time. You know, the other guy. Right. I don't know. It just That's felt a bit weird to us. So we felt like doing a new story from scratch, it it also yeah. enables you to create, um, you know, I guess be a little bit more flexible with what kind of gameplay environments you want to create. Or, you know, it doesn't yeah, have to be sure. exactly what was in the film. But we could create a whole new yeah. toy store for... for um, yeah, for the Toy Story characters, um, and yeah, you know, I, can, I, just, I can definitely I just say think that it's a little it, bit more interesting because mm-hmm. you already know the story movie. So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I also feel like the characters feel a lot more genuine to me because I can I can imagine. Oh, this is Woody and Buzz that I know, not Woody and Buzz that met Sora. That <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and I guess we tried to keep the conceit a little bit. I guess open-ended because we knew that we were also making a sequel to Toy Story. So, and then if, if Woody and Buzz are in Toy Story four and they don't say anything about Sora, is that weird? Yeah. You know, so we, we did try to, I'm I'm holding out hope for one day. Yeah. So we did try to make it a little (laughs) bit like, okay, well that can be open to interpretation. Like maybe it's because of these split worlds that, this is a this is a different world, like almost like a parallel dimension that they're in. Yes. So, like within that world, they wouldn't remember. Like within gotcha. the the real world, they wouldn't remember Sora. But only in this world okay. where the Heartless are. Yes. So speaking of the toy box world, uh, I want to know more about the design specifically of the main Kingdom Hearts characters, Sora, Donald, and Goofy. They have a really interesting angular kind of toy design, almost Lego-like. How was it decided uh, to go with that specific type of toy? And were there any other types of toys considered for them? Oh, yeah. I mean, we had a lot of fun with... um trying to figure out what the what the toy version should look like um i mean like at first i i kind of wanted to go with something that was a little bit more i guess different so you know like making Mm -hmm. one of them a plush character and one of them a a rubber ducky for donald or something like that (laughs) but you know unfortunately like you have these constraints in gameplay where the characters have to be able to perform all of their same fighting moves and and um, yeah. animations that they can in all the other worlds. It would be, I mean, there's so many different like fighting animations in this game that would just be yeah. crazy to do a whole nother set of animations just for this one world. Yeah, <laughs> so, just for the rubber ducky. Yeah, yeah. So we decided to go with this um, more action figure style for all of them. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, um, yeah, I mean, we kind of went back and forth with them. Like they would pitch us a design and then we also had our, um, production designer from Toy Story, Bob Polly, who would do drawovers of the characters and we would make suggestions like, you know, it would look more like a toy if you put a screw right here, you know, at the, where the, or, or, or a seam or something like that. Um, so we would, you know, make suggestions of how we can make them look more toy-like. So, um, yeah, I guess it was just kind of a back-and-forth conversation with them on coming up with something that everyone was happy with, but that could also 
um, fulfill the needs of the gameplay. Fantastic. So I heard, and I believe it was through your Twitter, that uh, uh, one of the models that was adjusted for Kingdom Hearts was actually Mike Wazowski, that uh, his legs were like moved more oh, yeah. under his body. <laughs> so so what, what was what was the uh, idea behind that? Because I, I so I played it again uh, yesterday, the the whole Monsters Inc. area, and I didn't I didn't notice it the first time I played it, but yeah, now you mentioned it, he is a little bit more centered on his feet now. Yeah, so um, the first Monsters Inc. was done a long time ago, and so our technology has come a long way <laughs> since. Yeah. Since then. Yeah. And and when we did Monsters University, we um we improved some things <laughs> and corrected some yeah, things yeah, yeah. that, Understandable. that um, weren't ideal in the first film. And one of those was Mon- yeah. um Mike. Um in the first film, if you look at him from the side, his legs are like not in the center of his body. They're like Yeah. Back. <laughs> Like he's not actually. <laughs> That's like, that an interesting look. Yeah, um, and also his color was a little bit more kind of an olive, a little bit more drab. And so in Monsters University, we did some changes to Mike, and part of that was just making him look younger, which was like brightening up his eye color and his skin color, and we also fixed his legs. <laughs> um, and so. Yeah, and so Mike from Kingdom Hearts is almost a combination of Monsters yeah. Inc. Mike, but updated to the improvements that we had made for Monsters U. Yeah, best of both Mikes. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so speaking of Monstropolis, when it comes to the area of Monsters Inc., uh, we finally get to explore parts of Monsters Inc. that were never in the films. Uh, when des- when designing those areas, did you have a lot of uh, you know previous design work that you could go off of, or did you have to mostly th- do that from scratch? Um, that was mostly done from scratch, and that was mostly done by Square Enix. Um, we wow, you know, we gave them a lot of concept art that we had for Monsters Inc., but we had not really created very much of the factory that was beyond what you see in the film. So they created their own factory settings and we we looked at them and we gave them tips on how to make things feel more monstery. Like one of the things mm-hmm. is we make everything very chunky. Yeah. So if if things feel skinny and weak then you feel like a monster like a grating or something. A monster couldn't mm-hmm. run across that because it wouldn't be able to hold the weight of the monster. So we would say, Okay, can you chunkify that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. So we would we would give them t- tips on how to make it feel more monster world ish, and um, yeah, it was just again, it was just kind of this back and forth conversation with them. But they mostly did that themselves. That's awesome. So Very yeah, cool. they so they chunkified it up <laughs> back and forth. I love that. That's <laughs> the best. So uh, I guess for my last question, speaking purely hypothetically, <laughs> if we in some time in the distant future, get to see more Pixar movies in the future. Which ones would you like to see the most? Okay. Just purely hypothetically. Yes. Purely hypothetically. I have my favorites. <laughs> I'm oh, sure boy. Uh, let's hear it. Pixar movies. Oh, yeah. 
Um, my favorite Pixar movie is Inside Out. So, mm. I mean, I like anything Inside Out, like, you know, whether I'm working on park stuff or, you know, I got to work yeah. on some of the posters for that film. So, yeah, just anything Inside Out, I'm happy about. <laughs> and then I think, I think my second favorite might be Coco. I just love Coco and I think oh, that world is just yes. very vibrant, um, colorful and just could be very fun. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So I, those are my top two. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I would say, uh, the, the only one other one that I'm thinking of, and it's mostly for the technical challenge <laughs> is cars. Oh. <laughs> How, how would that even work? I don't know. I just want to see it happen. How would they hold the keyblade? Oh, how would they hold the keyblade? Well, it would probably be their car key somehow. I don't know how oh, they'd yeah. be useful. But they did They did Lion Sora in Kingdom Hearts 2, so I, I believe in them after that. Uh, other than that, maybe Incredibles, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they've got action. Yeah. Well, superpowers, superpowers would be really cool to explore, I think. Of course, yeah. yeah I. I, w- I want to know what Sora's superpower is. I want to know what Donald's superpower is. You, you <laughs> right. gotta find that. Somehow out. getting mad <laughs> has to work. Into yeah, it, right. <laughs> That's got to be part of it. <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much, Tasha. I know you've got a busy schedule, so I'm gonna let you get back to that. Uh, just one last thing: Do you have any party words for our listeners, our fans of Kingdom Hearts? I guess thank you for being so supportive. Like I'm just. It's so great to see all the fans' reactions, and I love seeing, like, any fan art for our stuff, so, Mm -hmm. you know, I always like seeing that, but, yeah, thank you for um, playing and giving us all your great feedback. It's it's very um, inspiring. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Tasha. All right. Thank you so much. And now for our second segment, the Kingdom Hearts 3 discussion continues. So first, we'll be talking about uh monstropolis but before that churro yeah there's some interesting cutscenes that play between uh tangled you know the kingdom of corona level and monstropolis uh regarding a mr evan evan's evan's been up to stuff churro he's been been up a lot of stuff He's got some dirty deeds. He's got some skeletons in the closet. You know, it, it was it was theorized earlier or, or talked about earlier, like, hey, where's Evan? Where is he? D- did he go back with the organization? And then, like, yeah, here he is, and he's being evil and sinister, maybe. But, uh, yeah, I-, I would say the only thing to uh, that I really have to comment on this episode was when I first saw it, and you had uh, uh, Cyx there talking with Evan, and he's still hooded, and I'm just like, man, this scene looks so awesome. The graphics so beautiful. It, it was it was like one of the scenes in the in the the trailer that was released. And, yeah, and, and 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 like everybody thought it was uh everybody thought it was Sheon. Oh really? <laughs> but yeah, that, that man was very tall to be Sheon. I'll just tell well, you I, that. I heard I've heard Sheon. I've heard. Oh, I forgot who it was, but it was a different character. But I've been here. I heard a lot of people thought that it was Sheon underneath that hood. No, no, no. Well, speaking of underneath that hood, that is one thing that I noticed that kind of bugged me is that so in Kingdom Hearts 3, you know, we got Unreal Engine 4. We got this beautiful lighting engine. We can have realistic lighting now. And we can see very clearly underneath 
Evans hood. We can see he's in there. We can see his face. No problem. There's, there's no blackness there that typically covers hooded organization members. And yet it just like makes me think back. Well, if Evans like this, then why is it then when the master of masters and Lushu has their hoods on, why can't we see under the hood? I see your your selective shading. Of course. They don't wanna they don't wanna spoil it yet. <laughs> they don't wanna spoil things, but it's like, come on, obey the rules of the laws of physics. Come on. Anyway. just just, just a minor gripe, that's all. Anyway, moving on. Uh so yeah, let's let's talk about Monstropolis, Turo. So yeah. l- let's 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 get the setup. So Sora, Donald, and Goofy, they show up right in front of the Monsters Inc. factory. Uh, Sora's freaked out because Donald and Goofy scare him because they look, you know, they look like monsters. All right, great. That's cute. And then they, you know, they go in and their cover is that they're exterminators, which that, that works for me. And then turns out, oh, hey, we got unversed. (laughs) Okay, that works. It's it's like your typical new world appearance. You know, you talk a little bit then, oh, no. Here comes trouble. Exactly. You know what? This world, in a lot of ways, brings me back to uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas world from Kingdom Hearts 1. Oh, really? How so? Like, for one, it's, like, based on kind of a... I mean, I don't want to say creepy, but it is also kind of creepy. Like, creepier than your typical Disney movie. You know, it's not quite, you know, Tim Burton. It's not trying to be that, but, you know they're you know it's it's a creepier setting it's all about scaring children and stuff like that and uh on top of that Sora Donald and Goofy are in creepy uh costumes so to speak except i don't think those are costumes they they actually turn into monsters so that's cool and uh yeah so just that aspect of it kind of makes me feel like if there was a nightmare before christmas for uh kingdom hearts 3 this is it And yeah, I I just love that aspect of it. I also think that the choice of attaching uh, Vanitas as the organization member that is in charge of uh, Monstropolis and, you know, incorporating the unversed who are these beings that are created from negative emotions, just everything about that theming, beautiful. It 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 just works so well. I mean, it, it was like knocked out of the park. You know, the moment, you know, we saw that, you know, Vinicius made that appearance in the D23 trailer, uh, was it two years ago? Yeah. Yeah, when we when we, when we we saw him in that world, we knew that there was a reason for him to be there. And now that, you know, it's finally revealed to us, it's, you know, you can't do, you can't get any better. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I I really love that, and I, I'll just also say, even though we'll probably talk about it a little later, it's just like any time Vanitas is on screen, it's just the coolest thing ever. Like he's just so scary and badass. It's just, I just love it. It's basically evil Sora. Yeah, he's basically evil Sora. Exactly. And on top of that, it's like so everything in the Monsters Inc. world. I know it's it might be kind of contradictory. Everything in Monsters Inc. world is so cute, and yes. then Vanitas is there, and he's just like. He stands apart and is just like, screw the worlds of this, screw the the rules of this world. I don't care. I'm just going to be me and I'm going to be, you know, badass anime villain me and I'm going to walk around and cause havoc and chaos 
and he's just being himself. He's not trying to hide anything. And here's Sora, Donald, and Goofy, and they're they're coloring within the lines. They're playing by the rules. I just love that. I, I actually like the fact that, like, going off what you said about Vanita's, like, like you know, screw your rules and all type of deal. And, like, you know how, like, you know, young Xehanar appears in Toy Box, and he, yep. like, he leaves vague things for Sora. But here's, like, you know, Vanita's just straight out, you know, you know, just saying what he wants to say. He doesn't care. Yeah. Well... You know what's interesting? You now you now you bring up Zay, young Xehanort. So he also was one to be like, "Screw your rules! I'm not going to follow the rules." The only thing that I wonder though is he did follow one rule of Toy Story, and that rule is to be toy size. That because <laughs> he that didn't just pretty... he didn't decide to be human size. So at least there was that. I mean, he easily could have been human sized against. He could have you know, been toy if he wanted Sora. to. That would have been funny, but uh, or, or, I've actually or scary, seen some. I've actually seen some fan art of that. What you said, yeah, it reminds me of that so much. It made me, it made me laugh. Yeah, I wonder if that was like something they thought, like, oh, maybe I should have asked her. But uh, yeah, that that was funny. Uh, so yeah, uh, moving on from there. Uh, so yeah, they so the Unverse are there. They're moving on. They're trying to get Boo back home, and oh no, Unverse! They're in the whole factory. We got to get out of here. Yeah, and you know you get to fight in the main like uh, door area, so, so so not the not the, uh, the, the scare floor. That's what they call it. You know the place where they go into the doors like normally. And I was just so excited to go there because like that's such an iconic place from the movie, and being able to like explore it and know that like oh this is like you know Square got access to the models of this area and they were able to like make it in uh, you know an unreal engine 4 and here it is like like that's that's one thing that i really appreciate about kingdom hearts 3 is that now that we are in the era that we're going to these cg films that it's like we're really going to like not just adaptations or representations of those old worlds but like in some of these cases it's like oh they just straight up you know use the models to make the models for this and you know, it's almost like these are the real things. Like, it's crazy. Right. So, yeah, really, really love that. And all the detail on all, the, like, the desks there. And then, yeah, then when we finally go to, like, the main, like, Hall of Doors thing and the, you know, it's almost like a roller coaster ride in a way. And that just, that feels really awesome. Yeah, every every time I played through that, though, I just kept in the back of my mind thinking, this is Nomura playing around with ideas for Final Fantasy VII. I, every time we, we have this, I'm just like, yep, this is him preparing for the Gold Saucer, where there's the 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 Rocket Coaster minigame, where you're, like, shooting things from the rocket, or shooting things from the roller coaster. It's like, yep, that's what this is. I just I just know it. So yeah, I guess uh, moving on from there, then you know you go throughout the factory, and then uh, you finally make it out, and then the factory outside is just burst with flames, and that part that part of it for me, I don't know about for you, Chura, what your hi- uh, highlight of it of this world was, but for me it was definitely that area was just going through that part because it was like so actiony, things are exploding, we're fighting on burst and you know you know we're running and there's like the helicopter going overhead and the spotlight coming down and the 
uh, all those guys in the hazmat suits coming down like that that to me personally was my favorite part uh, it, it, it just it gave like you know it's it basically it made the world not so boring exactly it gave, it gave the world life by saying hey this place is on fire you know we got to put it out you know usually in games it's like when things are on fire and you're going through that level you know you don't see any like attempts of resolution for it but here you know they're making attempts to put it out yeah exactly so it, that that is an interesting aspect of it is that that you know of course this is a this is a uh, facility where people work you know even though this is a, a world of monsters this is a, a place where they work this is civilization you know when things blow up they you try to put put out the fire so it's cool to see that that element of it as well and yeah it's like just like fr- from the very beginning of when you get into monstropolis it's just like ramping up and up and up and up and up and just getting more and more tense then yeah that one's really good i think maybe slightly prior to that one of my favorite scenes uh in 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 a disney world in in you know kingdom hearts 3 comes up and it's a callback to kingdom hearts 1 where they're trying to get boo to laugh and mike's doing his his little shtick and it's not working and then goofy's like sora do the funny face routine and i'm just like oh no Bring don't it tell back. me they're bringing it back oh man and he does that, it and actually like, that actually made me smile because it's like it's like, like as soon as he said that i was like oh yeah, i know where this here is going. we go oh man that was such a great callback the only thing though that is just like a a little bit of a, a you know i don't know the only thing that kind of got me with that is like i kind of wish i would have seen it in a, maybe a slightly different world just so that it wouldn't have been him and his monster look doing that i, I wanted to see him in his regular human form doing that just because that's that's how i remember it is you know back in kingdom parts one him as a human doing it to donald and goofy so I, I I think if they had to choose something, I think it would have been like where they risk, you know, rescue Aqua or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Get her to but... smile. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that that could have been another thing. They could have done it again later in the game, but oh well. Yeah, but I, I was so happy to get that that scene in there. Um. So yeah. Uh. uh after that, I believe then you. Uh, yeah. At some point, you get back into the factory. You know, you go through the pipes. And then you fight the the big uh, unverse boss of this area, which uh, we originally see Vanitas summon up. And when Vanitas summons it up, that cutscene is so cool because, like, so he's like he just walks into the room and like summons up this like dark oil slime thing from the ground, and the camera angles are are really like dynamic and i think like it's like this like really shallow uh focal length on it so it's like it's really like claustrophobic and the monster feels like really really tall and it's like so cool and then randall's there and he's like he learns like oh i guess i can use this later and then yeah he summons that guy later which i didn't I didn't catch it the first time when I played through, but I, I did play through it again uh, yesterday to uh, figure it out. But they did finally explain what the deal with Randall coming. They, they did actually explain the deal with Randall coming back. Apparently, the whole deal was that 
So he was so at the end of Monsters Inc. the movie, Randall gets thrown into a door, banished to another uh you know, another area in the world. And uh it's like a hillbilly swamp area and they're like, It's a gator, let's shoot him. And uh the way he gets out of there is actually Vanitas rescues him and that's how he gets back out. I guess he provided the door to go back home uh to Monstropolis. So that was how, how it happened. And uh yeah, once Which is once just you really be- neat, which is really yeah, neat concept, like a- you said because of all that, you know, built up, you know, negative feelings of revenge, yeah. which they do mention, you know. So it's kind of neat how, you know, he, he came back because of, you know, Vanitas. Exactly. And yeah, they're they're like a they're perfect fit because, yeah, the whole plot of the movie was how uh, Randall was all about using the screams of children for energy. And he was trying to exploit that. So, of course, him and Vanitas are like a match made in heaven. So that that was really cool. So yeah, and then you know once you beat the boss, they throw uh, Randall back into the uh, door, back into the swamps. I'm assuming Florida, just because I'm a Florida boy. So yeah, they throw him back in there, hillbillies and all. And uh, uh, another Kingdom Hearts one thing: Sora actually locks the door with his Keyblade, like Kingdom yes. Hearts one style locks the door. We have not seen Sora lock a door like that in a long time. I think that wasn't the last time you did that was uh, Chain of Memories. Yeah, I think so. After you defeat uh, Marluxia, he runs out the door and, and then locks it behind. Yeah, I guess the closest thing other than that was um, in what was, whatchamacallit, in Dream Drop Distance. He does that sort of thing to the books in the Symphony of Sorcery world, the Ooh, Fantasia yeah. world. To sort of like resurrect Mickey and then him and Riku are both doing it from their sides of the world. But, like, yeah, other than that, it's, like, pretty much, it's almost like Sora forgot he had that power. It's almost like, a, you know, in Union Cross where you try to use a keyblade on a door to unlock it and Tirithi stops you. It's like, okay, now they want to <laughs> reference this now? Like, I mean, now come you on. want to bring this back, this, you know, thing you've been carrying for the last, you Don't know, be selective. 15, 16 years? <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, there, there, there is that, and, uh... Yeah, so it all ends up, so once you're done with that, and then uh, you encounter Vanitas again later once we're trying to put Boo back into, you know, back through her door, and, uh, you know, Vanitas is there, he has his little uh, clash with Sora, and then the best best scene in the in the whole world, you know, Mike and Sully grabbing Vanitas and throwing him into a door, throwing that door into another door, and that door into another door, and then shredding the door. Oh man, love that. Let me let me ask you this. Yeah. Would you have wanted to see a boss battle with Vanitas? Okay, so yes. And it's not the only time that I felt that way. And that that is one aspect of the Disney worlds, I feel. And actually just Kingdom Hearts 3 in general. It might be skipping ahead a little bit. But yeah, I just really wish that there were more... It, more encounters with the organization members throughout the game and not just, you know, so concentrated into the, you know, the ending portions of the game. And I think, yeah, definitely one way it could have happened would, would be with, you know, I guess you could say like earlier boss fights with the organization members, you know, and that would have been kind of nice. I mean, you know, it, didn't I, even, it wouldn't even have to be to the death. It's more like a test of, 
you know, strength type of thing. Because, yeah. like, you know how in Birth by Sleep, you know, as Aqua, you fought Vanitas numerous times, and, you know, and when you defeat him, like, he's, you know, knocked on the ground, but then, like, Vanitas all of a sudden yeah. gets an upper hand, you know. Like, yeah, and he always like, gets stronger as, as the game goes on. And, yeah, even in Kingdom Hearts 2, we had several boss fights with the organization. And in Kingdom Hearts 2, the way they handled it is it was always for their plot like they weren't trying to beat sora it was always like oh we're just trying to slow you down like you know that's what it was like when he was fighting demix for example or when he fought uh zigbar in uh the land of dragons like he was just there to slow sora down like that was that was really the only reason and on top of that zigbar personally just wants to test sora's strength because he's a keyblade wielder so he wants to test sora so yeah, see, that's well, see, like I wouldn't mind if they put in a situation where you know v- uh, Venitas is actually fighting Sora for, for you know Ventus. Yeah, you know, yeah, it would have been cause, great. I mean, because I mean, it's already been revealed, you know, to Sora, you know, that Ventus is within him. You know, that yeah. revelation comes out, and it's like they should have really had you know Sora fight him and then it shows like you know then then they could still play that cutscene of you know Sora getting you know the keyblade knocked out of his hand by Venitas and then you know yeah. and then Soli comes in from behind and does the whole thing you know because that scene can still play out even after a boss battle with Venitas definitely because yeah. it could it could actually be you know Venitas actually trying to take Ventus's heart back by force you know that would give you know a sense of danger and urgency for Sora yeah would have been neat if like maybe somehow Vanitas could have like knocked back uh you know everybody but Sora and like yeah. Yeah, trap, and, uh, oh. trap them into like an arena of like negative emotions or something and then Sora would have had to like fight his way out of that or something like that and or, like, or, like, they could have done something similar in like Toy Story for example with uh with Xehanort like he could have done like time stop sort of thing and maybe everyone around him is stopped except him and Sora, I don't know. Just something like that. Maybe maybe that's something they could do in the final mixes. I just want, yeah, more encounters with the organization members throughout the game. So, I don't know. That's something we can talk about more when we get to the, uh, you know, the discussion of the final areas of the game. But, yeah, just something uh, of note. So, I guess, yeah, moving on from story, let's talk about the level design and the gameplay of, of Mon- Monstropolis. So... I would say, yeah, overall, Monstropolis is a pretty conventional Kingdom Hearts world. I would say it, you know, fits uh, pretty well in the pantheon of, you know, the traditional style of uh, Kingdom Hearts world. Fairly linear, but, like, I think in the case of Monstropolis, it's all in servicing a very cinematic plot. I would say, like, uh, you know, comparing it to the other Pixar movie in, in Kingdom Hearts 3, I felt... Uh, the Toy Story setup, you know, you had Galaxy Toys and it was kind of like free flowing in terms of how you could explore through it. Whereas Monstropolis is definitely the more linear story driven. Let's make it feel like a movie. And I think in that way, because it really leaned into being linear, I felt that Monstropolis was definitely more like intense and more action heavy and uh personally for me that makes it my uh favorite of the two disney worlds uh i don't know about you churro but how how do you feel about like uh the overall gameplay and the flow of gameplay throughout uh monstropolis 
I think it's pretty balanced. I mean, like, because, like, you know, besides, like, the factory, you get the right on the, you know, the rails of where the doors are, you know, being, you know, taken to different areas where the monsters yeah. use to travel. And then you, then you, once you get to the factory part, you know, they actually, you know, utilize, like, special certain, like, you know, you press triangle to do, like, a sliding and then you shoot, yeah. you know, at the parts to, like, kind of, like, get through the factory, you know, since Randall's turned it against you. Um, yeah. I, I kind of like that whole, it's not just totally just what, you know, walk from A to B. It's like, you got obstacles in your path. Exactly. You, know, you gotta go exactly. through. It's not like, you know, Kingdom Hearts 2 itis where everything's yeah. just like plain. Like, it definitely no, felt actually... like the, the closest thing I could describe it to is that this is, you know, it's almost like a Disney attraction. Like it almost feels like a ride. Pretty, the, yeah, pretty much. The Monstropolis it, world. You know, you got... You know, then, then there's like different doors you can actually go through. You know, it takes you to different areas, so it's like yep. it feels like, you know, it's just you know, there's there's just they just give you a lot of things to do to explore to give you that you know the sense of you know exploring what the entire you know factory and yeah you know what Monsters Inc is pretty much about. Yeah, I would say also, uh, you know, speaking on the you know the level design and the level choice, uh, another thing that puts monstropolis above toy box for me personally is is that i personally liked the uh balance of having a lot of areas from the movie in monstropolis and also having like original areas that are like really cool like i said my favorite area is actually an original area you know it's you know all the things exploding and you're running around on the uh, on the on the walkways and jumping off of things and like all of that was really awesome and also like going to places from the movie was really cool i, I like toy box and i like going to andy's uh house from toy story 2 but you know you very quickly are whisked away to toy box which while a really cool place and i get to go different areas I don't have uh, an emotional connection to, to Galaxy Toys like I have with the scare floor from Monsters Inc. or the you know the the door you know roller coaster ride you know the door carousel however you call it and then also like the the main lobby from Monsters Inc. Like I have emotional connections to those because you know it's a part of a movie I really love and I get to you know visit those things and yeah I feel like. Uh, both of them, you know, it's a, you know, different ways to tackle the same problem. And just for me personally, uh, I think Monsters, uh, uh, Mon- the Monsters Inc. version of it, Monstropolis version of it, of getting to go to more places from the movie, that really, uh, that really made it for me and, you know, p- puts it just a bit above uh, Toy Box for me. Uh, so, yeah, I guess uh, moving on from there, uh, presentation wise, uh, what did you think of the overall, uh, you know, visuals and sound and all of that? How did that uh, feel for you, you know, and uh, how how well did it capture the feeling of the movie for you, Churro? Yeah, it was it was spot on. Like, yeah, like, for, like everything. Like even even like the cute little like reception desk with like you know scribbles and coffee cups and yeah. snack vending machines and. You know, it feels exactly like a factory worker place. It's yep. just, you know, then you even have like the room with the with the doors and stuff. You, you can, and you know, interact with the balloons and stuff. It just, it's almost like you're pretty much yeah. playing the movie. 
<laughs> you know, you know what area that just popped into my mind. It's such a small thing, but I'm so happy it was there. Is right before you get into the scare floor, you got that tiny little office that that uh, octopus lady is in. She's like Mike Wazowski. That that lady. You could actually yeah. go in there and like explore and look around in there. And I was just so happy. Like they didn't they didn't need to let you go in there, but they did. And I was just like, oh. God. And there's a, and there's a chest in there, so yeah, and there's a chest in there, so it's like, oh man, it's so good. So that's that to me is like such good payoff, and you know, yeah, you know, you know what, um, you know what really like made me look at it and go, wow, is that you know when you know how you're sliding on the rails with the doors, yeah, it's like like when you look around, you see like the walls and stuff, and it's just yeah, it's just so detailed and. And all that, and once you get to that room with the with the flan, yeah, you know, and then and there's another room with the the hidden Mickey, like yep. using that same, you know, backdrop, exactly. And that's a clever use of it. So yeah, like, you got that, give it that to them room for doing just that. like it definitely like sells a lot of scale. Like you feel really small in there, exactly. And yeah, and and not only is it like this massive room, but you also get to explore it at breakneck speed. Like you're going through it really fast. So yeah, it's a really you know fun and interesting balance. Um, so yeah, that was that was super awesome. Uh, so yeah, I would say overall presentation is very good. Um, I, I think though, you know, maybe a little bit unfair to put these against each other always, but I would say the music from Toy Box is probably a bit better than the music in uh monstropolis i did like the the field music but i don't know it's uh, you know it's it's hard to compete with you got a friend in me you know yeah i i have to agree with that just hearing like i i tweeted out like when i when the game came out it's like just yep. just the field theme of toy box is just wonderful you just it just you can't beat that. Like hearing, I'll, you know, I heard it live at the Kinemus Orchestra last year, and uh, it was awesome. a neat little surprise they gave us. And just to hear an orchestra play that, it just, it, it just hearing that just took me back. <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, that that that's great. So, uh, so yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up our conversation on Monstropolis. So Churro, if you had to give Monstropolis a score out of ten, what would you give Monstropolis? I think I'd give it a nine out of ten. That's awesome. Yeah, I would. I, I would also agree. Nine out of ten. Like in in terms of what I want uh, a a Kingdom Hearts three world to be, it definitely hits uh, all those all those especially notes for me. Especially for a sequel. Yes, especially for a sequel. And yeah, the fact that it's you know it's original storyline that you know. Definitely has like notes from the movie, but doesn't like quite, you know, step on the toes of the movie. So definitely appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, I would I, I would definitely say that yeah, it's it's definitely like one of my favorite like of the two Pixar worlds. It's my favorite Pixar world, and then of all of the Disney worlds, it's definitely uh, up there in terms of. You know, I would say there's like two main categories of of, of Pixar world or of of Kingdom Hearts Disney worlds. One category would be the uh, Disney world that feels like you're, you know, a typical Kingdom Hearts level, and I would say Monstropolis fits into that. And then there's the type of 
Disney World or type of Kingdom Hearts 3 Disney World where it feels like, oh, they're trying something. They're they're trying to push the bounds of what a Kingdom Hearts Disney World can be. And I would say uh, Toy Box, Pirates, and uh, uh, Big Hero 6 are, are in that category. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about how I, how we feel about those uh, worlds in the next episode. But, uh, yeah, I would say Monstropolis is definitely up there for the uh, more typical style of, of Kingdom Hearts world. So moving on from there, another world that I feel personally definitely captures that original Kingdom Hearts style of level design and world. We got Arendelle. It's frozen. Oh, it's yeah. Time, it's time, time to let it go. So uh, It's like, finally... Exactly, finally, for the first time in forever, so to speak. Uh, so yeah, in uh, Arendelle, uh, the, uh, in, in, in this world in particular, they really do go for the other style of uh, Kingdom Hearts storytelling where they actually put you into the movie. Like, we are in Frozen, and I'm, I, I was so happy for that because that means we get to experience like the big plot points from the movie. Um, the only thing though, my, my only like real quick gripe before we get on with it is that they didn't give poor Sora, poor Donald, poor Goofy. They didn't give him any new costume. That's the one thing. That's the one thing that just like right off the bat, I, I was a a little bit annoyed by with, uh, Arendelle. But other than that, it's just like, they hit you real hard and fast. Like Sora, Donald, Goofy, they plop in there. And then you got Anna running on the on the water and it like freezing under her feet and it looks just like the movie. And I know oh, you mean like, Elsa. Uh, oh, Elsa! Right, right, right. Elsa's running on the, on the water and it's freezing. The problem is, Turo, is that the Japanese title of this movie is Anna and the Snow Queen, and I always like think of her name first. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but anyway. So yeah, Anna, <laughs> Elsa, running on the water, freezing the lake. And, uh, yeah, it looks just like the movie. And I know it's a broken record, but, like, man, I just love that Kingdom Hearts 3 took the time and re- released on PS4 and Xbox One, where it could look this good. I know, right? Like, I don't... All, like, I always tell people a lot of the things that you see in Kingdom Hearts 3 probably wouldn't be impossible to do. Yeah, it would have been impossible, for sure. For sure. No question. And, um... Yeah, so uh, their their overall uh, story breakdown is that you know Sora, Don, Goofy, they show up in this world. You know, Elsa, just like in the movie, she's really unsure. She's been, you know, she's left her kingdom behind when it's discovered she's got these ice powers, and uh, Larxene has come in to sort of like influence her and try to get her to go down a dark path, so to speak. And, uh, yeah, I would say this world in particular, and, and actually I, w- I kind of felt like I kind of felt this way about the movies when they first came out too, is that this is like, you know, another take on the type of Disney world that, uh, that kingdom of Corona is, you know, kingdom of Corona, just like, uh, Arendelle it's, you know, it's a Disney world about a Disney princess and it follows the movie, you know, very closely, but in much of the way that I say with Monstropolis, I, I felt that Arendelle was the better take on this. Uh, how about you, Churro? Of the two, you know, Kingdom of Corona and Arendelle, which did you feel was the better uh, of those two styles? 
Well, I mean, I'm a Frozen fan, so I gotta say Frozen. <laughs> well, there you go. That, that I, I guess that's enough. But yeah, I would say, uh, and, and one big aspect of it, and I, I really quick want to get to this because this is what this was, you know, obviously one of the highlights of the world is the fact that they were able to use songs from the movie. You know, we we got our Let It Go, and we got our Do You Want to Build a Snowman. You know, arguably the two biggest songs from the movie. And I felt like that was one big thing I was missing from from Kingdom of Corona. And I know for Kingdom of Corona, you know, Tangled, it is a musical, but like the songs weren't really like ever that famous, especially when you compare it to Frozen. But I definitely felt, even though they did a really great job with it, the scene where Flynn and or eugene and rapunzel are on the water and looking up at the lights that scene felt a lot more empty to me when it didn't have the song you know you know about them seeing the lights i'm not gonna break into song i'll try not to but uh and, and that's where i feel like frozen comes up to bat and just knocks it out of the park you know we got our let it go and and it's not just, you know, we got let it go, but it's like, it's straight up. They read, they remade the CG for it. And it looks really great. It looks a lot like it did in the movie. And then Sora, Donald and Goofy are there. Yeah, it just, I mean, it's really great that they did that, but like, it's just so weird to have those three in it. It's yeah. almost like they're just like copy and paste it or Photoshop. Yeah. Right into it. Uh, so I'll agree with you there. Yeah. Their, their integration with it is a little bit, odd like they definitely feel like you know they're just like and also like i would say the big part that i didn't like was there's this like very long shot of sora donald and goofy just walking through the snow hearing elsa in the distance yeah while she's singing it's like you're missing most of the song put the camera back on elsa yeah that's what i was feeling it's weird because like it just it's like you see like sky and the wind, you know, blizzard going off, and then all of a sudden it's like it's it's going, it's going. All of a sudden it's goofy. Then yeah. you, know, you see the other two. Then it's like yeah, you, you're just just like oh, what's that? Oh, it's Elsa's voice. Yeah, you know, it's like so, it's like it's like they're hearing it the her singing the entire time. Yeah, and it's just like they're kind of like creeping up on on Elsa. Yeah, <laughs> as she's doing this, and it and it even like. It's, and it's funny too because when you do the loading screens of mm-hmm. it, it even brings that up. It's like, it's like hearing Elsa sing, you know, it made me feel, you know, I learned more about her, like doing yeah. like the little Kingdom Hearts Instagram thing. Yep, I was like, that's weird. Yeah, 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 for sure. But yeah, I, I definitely, definitely agree with you there. Um, yeah, but I, I guess like, so yeah, the the actual implementation of it maybe it wasn't like a hundred percent, but like I would say overall, I'm glad they had let it go in there, and yeah, definitely, it wouldn't I... be the same without it. So I'm so happy they did. Um, but yeah, so that was cool. Um, so I guess backtracking just a little bit, you know, uh, you know, a lark scene traps us in this uh ice castle. <laughs> And her own ice castle. Yeah, her own ice castle, and definitely not Elsa's ice castle that she just built. Isn't it weird that there's two ice castles just randomly in this world? And one is this I, I, interdimensional I, light ice castle. I thought the ice castle was kind of 
the or, or labyrinth or whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah, I thought it was a little excessive and kind of redundant because it's like, I mean, they they could have done it a different way there, and then like there was really no need for that. Yeah, I I, I did feel there was a a need for something, and having I, I I was fine with the ice castle. I'm just not as happy that it wasn't Elsa's ice castle. I felt that would have been cooler. I, and... I mean, I, I would have... See, I would have, like, instead of having Larsing build it, because, like, you know, yeah. she mentions, you know, that ice is so not my thing. Yeah. It's like, I think that it would... If they did something, like, where Larsing convinces Elsa to do it, yeah. then I would have been more accepting of that. Yeah, something like that. I think, yeah, I don't know. I heard a rumor that maybe Disney has... Or Disney probably poo-pooed the idea of it being Elsa making that castle because you know it's supposed to be that yeah Elsa she's she's questioning she's she she's confused she's frustrated but yeah, she's, she's not, not evil. evil yeah she's yeah. not evil and that's the thing and I'm like okay I get it but like you know you don't have to be evil to build a labyrinth you know perfectly nice people have labyrinths well I mean well. I mean, you got to remember, she, you know, she did tell, you know, you know, her own sister to go away. She told Sora to go away. She even yeah. created the big monster as a bodyguard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think like, like maybe like maybe Elsa builds the ice castle and then Sora, Donald and Goofy and Anna maybe go in there and try to reason with her. And then maybe in the mix somewhere in there, Lark scene appears and creates a labyrinth within the castle. I don't know, something like that. And then you have to fight your way up to help on or something. I don't know, but some, something to connect it a little better, bit better. Cause it, it definitely felt very, uh, cut and paste. Like if that idea was supposed to be originally for Anna's ice castle or Elsa's ice castle and they cut it, it definitely felt like they just pasted it randomly to a different part of the storyline there. But uh, yeah, other than that, I guess overall fine. And then, yeah, you know, you move on throughout the uh, storyline. You meet up with Kristoff and uh, Olaf and Anna and the, the the moose, Sven. Yeah. Yeah, Sven. And then you have that little thing where you have to like get Olaf's body back together. Shiro, did you do the, the, the bad ones? Yes. The, the mistake ones? Okay. Yes, so what, what mistake ones are there? I've only seen the, the big fat one. There's a big fat one. Then you have one that are like actual rocks. Oh. And then there's one where you can, yeah, like, there's like a medium-sized body. Uh-huh. And I, there's one more, but I can't remember what it was. There's one where he's like, just like laying in the snow. It's just like, it's something. I can't remember what it is. But there's like, I think there's three bad, three or four bad ones and one correct one. Okay. Yeah, I'll definitely have to look those up at some point, how to do those. Uh, so, yeah, so there's that. And then, you know, uh, you also get... Then then don't they, like, go back to the ice yeah, castle? Yeah, basically after you fight your way back up. Yeah. Um, basically, Anna, you know, because basically, because you, you fight off the Heartless mm-hmm. and nobody's. And then yep, basically yep. Anna and, you know, Kristoff leave you to go up further ahead. So right. by the time you catch up to them, they're already there, and you know she's already created uh, the big monster and right marshmallow. And then yeah, yeah you have your fight with marshmallow. Yeah, and then 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 they then he knocks you off down off the cliff again. Gotcha. So then then you gotta start all that process over. 
Yeah, I would say that. Uh, okay, so I, I would say just another note on 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 you know level progression in this is it is a little bit haphazard. Like I feel like all right, now I'm going up the mountain. Now I'm going down the mountain. Now I got knocked off the mountain. You know, it's like uh, yeah, it's a little bit uh you know uh, discombobulating. I don't know, uh, disorienting maybe because I'm not really sure which direction I'm going. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, events-wise, all the events are right. I like all the events. I just feel like the map in my head uh, in which this journey is occurring on, maybe it's not so clear and coherent of what I'm supposed to be doing here or where I'm going. But, yeah, overall, I really did uh, one of my favorite, definitely one of my favorite uh, encounters in this world was fighting Marshmallow. And it was mostly because I just love how beautiful the scene was because like the lighting it's like the sunset lighting is like really beautiful and then like you knock the trees back and that's really cool with the snow and all that so yeah i really like that so yeah then later uh you get uh you know you do the uh bobsledding like mini game which i felt is way better here than it is in olympus olympus is just too cramped it's too cramped, and like this makes way more sense. You know, going down, going down a mountain, and not going through grease <laughs> on a on a shield, grinding around. That was kind of weird, but oh well. I guess you know, like they got to reuse it some some places. So, uh, so yeah, that was cool. Fighting, you know, the heartless uh, dragon things in various places. That was pretty cool, and. Yeah, so then later, yeah, you're going, you're fighting your way to Arendelle, and then we see, what is it, Hans? Yeah, Hans. The, the bad guy? Okay. So I got I got one problem with Hans. Hans doesn't speak, and that's kind of weird. <laughs> I know, right? He just, he's just there to move the plot forward. Yeah. Like, like it's supposed to be. Yeah. Because, like, you can't have, you know, like, and it's weird, too, because, like, when you see, you know, Hans carrying Elsa back to Arendelle... You yeah. just see like a big giant like black shadow like around him, showing that yeah. he's you know full of darkness. So that's something I think we need to talk about, which is a like a maybe a bigger conversation that we'll address later also. But uh, there's a lot of characters in Kingdom Hearts three, and then there's also a lot of characters that don't speak in Kingdom Hearts three, just randomly. You know, we got you know the the first obvious ones are in. Uh, Olympus, you, know, you got Phil. That's the big one that everybody keeps re- referring to. How can you have Phil not speak? That's just treason. And then on top of that, there was uh, on top of Olympus, there was like Hermes and those other two. It was like the blue god and the red god. There's all these like characters in Olympus that just don't speak and. Uh, another, you know, big two are, uh, Zaldin, Dylan, Dylan and Alias. They don't speak. And now we got Hans here and it's just like, I get it. I get it. You have a lot, a lot, a lot of characters in this and, you know, there's only so much budget for voice acting, but I'm just like, you can't just use different characters instead and, you know, fill in with people that you do have the voices for. Like that's. Yeah, just a little bit of a downer for me. It's just like having these scenes because it's like for me, like I get it for production wise, you know, there's only so much budget you have, but 
in terms of presentation, I can't, I can't not think about the fact that this person is just not speaking. And I think it would have been and, better. And Hans like, is such like an important character too. Yeah, he's like he's a sweet talking guy, and you know it's actually a big surprise that he's the villain. Like it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, and it's like it's like you know you know I can, I can get it with Phil because Phil you know is like you know even though he's the one training you know Hercules you know yeah. but he's always seen as like a secondary character. Yes, Hans is more of that main character. You know, yeah, because he is the main villain, so exactly. You know, it's just so really awkward just to have him not have any speaking lines. You yeah, because you imagine I mean, Mother Gothel not talking in 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 the Tangled World, like that'd be crazy. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be weird. I mean, like even you don't have to get like the same voice actor as long as you get someone who can sound like him. Yeah. Oh well. So yeah. So o- overall, though, I, I I would say you know story wise. It's the movie, you know, it's more or less, it's the movie that we experience. We got two, two big songs from the movie. You know, we, uh, you know, remember back in the day, you know, back in the versus 13 days, uh, Nomura had an interview and he talked about how he was considering turning versus 13 into a musical. Well, <laughs> Nomura finally got his musical. And well, I mean, I mean, he did do it in, uh, Atlantica. Yeah. In Atlantica. True, true, true. But yeah, this is like the first time that he did it and it was more in the style of a Disney movie. And I think like overall, despite its faults, I think that the frozen world has, in my opinion, the right template for a Disney princess kind of a movie, like a a Disney princess musical movie. It's got all the right story beats. It It tackles all the big problems. How do you go in and out of songs? And the answer is just treat it like you treat the movie. You know, they, one of the biggest things that Frozen was known for was for songs. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm hoping they take notes if they ever go and do Coco. Because, like, I, I, need, I need singing in Coco. Like, you can't not do singing in Coco. So, just saying. Uh, so, yeah, I would say, uh, yeah, let's uh, move on from there. So in terms of the level design of Arendelle, how did you feel about it, Churro? Hmm. It, I actually, it's it's very beautiful. I'll yes, it is for first. very beautiful. But like, I don't know. I feel kind of long. Yeah, very long. I would also say very easy to get lost. That was yeah, my oh, biggest definitely. thing. Definitely, it's. Everything kind of looks the same. You Everything's know, like, white. It, like like when you're going to, like up and down through the mountains, and it's like if you fall off, you're gonna you're just like, oh man, how do it's I get like, back? Oh, man. Exactly. How do you get back? Yeah, that's that's rough. Yeah, I would say you know, fro- the frozen world and the tangled world, they both have this issue where they're very long in the tooth when it comes to their like wilderness areas. There's a lot of repeating assets, and I get it. It's production. You got to make it work. You can't just have towns all over the place. But I kind of wish there were a couple of towns. I like it would. The one thing. Would, the one thing I yeah. wanted was to actually visit Arendelle. Yeah, it would have been nice to visit Arendelle. Would have also been nice to visit the the guy where he's like selling the the coats. Yeah. The like that that would have been a nice one to have in the middle. So. Especially, especially, yeah. it'll be a make a good like save point, you know. Yeah, exactly. 
So, oh well, like I, I get it. Like it's 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 tough, and like if, if they were making a game that was just Frozen, then yeah, I think obviously they would do all those things. But this game, this you know, this game, Kingdom Hearts, they're doing seven different Disney worlds. They have to you know treat all of them equally, so they can't like give too much effort to just one world. But oh well. Uh, so yeah, uh, other, other than that though, I would say gameplay wise, like overall, I think frozen really hits it out of the park. There's so many great gameplay moments and a lot of really like unique set piece moments. Like there's the, like I said before, the, f- the fight with marshmallow, that's the only one like it. There's the, uh, down downhill sledding, uh, mini game, which does appear in other worlds, but it's best in frozen it makes the most sense in frozen and on top of that you got like action elements involved in it too because you got the the dragons chasing after you and shooting lasers at you and uh i would also say like uh final boss man that final boss was awesome that was so cool especially when marshmallow is a party member like yeah you know it's having him as a party member you know from fighting him to your party member makes it really intriguing and interesting it's different and uh, and even even this the scene even the part before it where you're walking through the blizzard and you have to take cover and yeah you know like once you get to the final part of that area you know you're walking behind marshmallow who's shielding you from the blizzard exactly and we we also talked about it before we had, there was the Olaf thing you know putting Olaf back together that's a cool little event and like there's a lot of these things in there and so yeah I would definitely say like overall like Frozen just has all the right parts and like they're so cool and so many great moments i think just like organization wise that's probably my my biggest thing like the week to me it felt weak yeah because like elsa's just there to keep an eye on him and then like then once she creates the labyrinth and like she disappears until the very end just to yeah where where she gets yeah exactly and about her about you know you know the the 13 members you know and from there it finally hits her that both Anna and Elsa are princesses, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, so, you, I mean, you did a terrible job of reconning. Yeah, Lark scene could have definitely been more involved, that's for sure. And again, you know, <laughs> that common theme of uh, wouldn't it be nice if the organization, you know, were, was a bit more involved and a little bit more antagonistic throughout the entirety of the game, that would have been nice, so... I'm also a big fan in games where like the stakes are really high uh just randomly throughout the game like what if they almost kill Sora just in the middle of the game and and like that just raises the stakes even higher for the you know the later parts of the game. I mean constantly Xehanort's is big Xehanort uh, old man Xehanort is big up this whole idea that we have the seven hearts Seven princesses of uh, seven princesses of heart. You know he keeps mentioning that and talking about how at any point we could just come in, kill you, and we don't need you. So like, I wish they would kind of put their money where their mouth is and kind of like prove it a little bit. You know, like yeah. it would have been nice if there were these boss fights with like really high stakes. Like they almost did it a little bit with Vanitas. You know, him knocking the keyblade out of Sora's hand and like you know, potentially taking Ventus's heart, like, by force, so to speak, so. You know, I, I just felt really disappointed with, you know, like, the organization. It's almost like they didn't really, quote-unquote, try hard enough 
to, you know, convince Sora, you know, to do things, you know, it's almost like, oh, we don't want to kill you yet. We just, we just want to delay your inevitable death a little bit longer. Yeah, I think it would have been, you know, even cooler to like, you know, push that a little bit further. Because when you look at the back of the box, it says, you know, the ultimate battle. You know, it, 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 you know, they're, you know, it's Kingdom Hearts 3, you know, you know, there's a Keyblade War approaching, you know, it's inevitable. Yes. yes. You know, it's like, why are the villains holding back? Yeah. Yeah, I would say, uh, so I would say personally, not a big fan of this anime, but I do appreciate this aspect of Neon Genesis Evangelion, uh, is that, so in, in Evangelion, if you've never seen it, it's it's about these like uh, like alien creatures coming to Earth and like you know mucking things up. It's kind of like a it's got a, got kind of a monster of the week kind of a feel. But every time a new one comes, it's the end of the world, like for real. Even though they know there's like I don't know thirteen, fifteen, sixteen of them coming. Every time a new one comes, humanity is pushed to its breaking point. Where like we need to go and do some crazy stuff that that just like we have to go all out every single time. Like it's not like oh this one's an easy one. Every time humanity almost dies, and I kind of wished there was that element to it a little bit. Where like like wouldn't it be cool if like every time you would encounter an organization member, we seriously almost lost Sora there, or we seriously almost lost one of the princesses just there. That was really close. And that was serious. Like it would have been cool if that, that, that element was, you know, pushed harder. And, you know, I feel like that element is pushed very hard, you know, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but in the Keyblade uh, graveyard segment and the ending segments of the game, I feel like that stuff is well is well handled, and it's handled in the way that I I wanted it to be handled. I, I, I'm just feeling like more that throughout the game it would have been nice if that was pushed a little bit harder. The stakes plus, were a little bit more obvious. Plus, I would plus I wanted them to make more pieces in like the original worlds, like you know yeah. how uh, Riku and King Mickey are in Radiant Garden. It's like yeah, they should show up there. You know, yeah, they should. You know, you know, it's like they shouldn't always antagonize Sora. They should, you know, they can they can easily antagonize Riku and King exactly. Mickey. You know, they can they can even you know try to figure out where because you know Kyrie's still considered Princess of Heart. Yeah. So it's like, why can't they you know try to find a way to to get to her? You know, and on top like of that, the there's, of her there's training. seven seven lights. It's not just Sora. Yeah. So, so it's like you know, like that 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 would open up with more. To show you to how serious their you know their situation is, you know it's just yeah. like I understand Sora is the main character and all this and all that, but like you're kind of really disregarding the other lights, yeah. You know, well. it, you know, let the other members give their fair share of things. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, hey, you know, they can even show up in you know in front of like you know how in one of the trailers, you know, Sora's fighting outside of you know the tower, yeah, the instance tower. It's like. You know, they could have had like a scene where it's just nonstop, heartless, unversed, and nobody's, you know, then, you know, it's just, you know, or a couple organization members show up and say, hey, you know, we're here to deliver a message or whatever, you know, like, it's like, it's like, hurry up and get, get your lights, you know? Exactly. You know, they could have done something like that. And it's just, I don't know. It's the organization members, just the way they were written in the very 
like 90% of the game isn't really satisfying for me. Yeah, that's understandable. Well, anyway, so moving back to uh to Frozen and Arendelle, uh let's definitely talk about uh the presentation of it, visuals, how well it captures the movie and obviously the music. I think that's pretty easy to say. It's like, man, it's it's just like the movie. And it's, it's, they, in it's some cases they just straight up use stuff from the movie. It's amazing, dude. It just yeah. to be like when the the moment you start the world, you know, fighting, you know, Heartless, and then you know, then Sora complaining it's cold. Yeah, you know, then he turns around and finds the source of it, which is Elsa running through, you know, the water. Yeah, you know, so and cool. it's and, and and even the scene where you first encounter Anna. Yep. Like, you know that like when Sora's checking out Olaf, it's like you're looking at it, you're going, "Oh my." God, that looks exactly like the movie. Yeah, but with exactly. just like Sora, Donald, and Goofy just thrown right into it. Ugh, so awesome. Yeah, that and, that that stuff that is scene, awesome. And even that scene where Sora's talking to Anna about how Anna want needs to bring your sister back. You know, just for Sora to be able to like, you know, that whole scene just looks amazing. It's beautiful. Definitely, and yeah, I would also say that with that scene when they when they get to the part where she's singing. Uh, do you want to build a snowman? I was really impressed. Like, wow. So this, all this stuff is like being done with uh, the real time graphics, you know, before they did uh, let it go and they did that, you know, fully in CG, you know, pre-rendered stuff. And then with, uh, do you want to build a snowman? They did that with uh, the in-game graphics in Unreal Engine 4. And it's like, wow, this, this also like really closely matches the movie. So it's like, man, this is just really impressive. So, man, I just love it so much. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Presentation-wise, it's like top marks. No question, man. So good. And, uh, yeah, so I guess uh, moving from there, uh, general impression, you know, want to give our scores for it. Uh, I would say, you know, overall for me, like the overall impression of it, you know, when I take it all as a whole, I see it as being above uh tangled being above kingdom of corona but i do also acknowledge that some of the flaws that exist in arendelle i feel are a little bit more fundamental and maybe a little bit more serious than the ones that are entangled even though tangled has its own uh share of flaws in that in that world as well and maybe some some similar ones but i may i think they're a little bit more severe in arendelle specifically talking about the uh le- level design but mostly like your route through the level is my main issue with it and, and also repetitiveness too yeah the repetitiveness because well. like because like because basically you you know you first kind of elsa then you're then you gotta you're going after her to check up on her then you know you kind of let it go then you know then you get chopped in the labyrinth and then all of a sudden you know you got to make your way back up before you're knocked back down then you got to go back up and go back down and go back up and go back down it's like yeah and definitely compared to some other worlds like you know we were been talking about before monstropolis monsters inc that ha- that world has a ton of variety in terms of areas and you know there's a lot of different styles of places there's you know places from the movie there's places in the factory there's places related to the the, the door area there's you know different walkways and then the tubes and then this and that and the other and it's like a lot of variety to it and then a lot of scenes that feel very different and with uh frozen 
it's also got a lot of variety, but it's also a lot of snow and a lot of white and not a lot of difference in terms of uh, the location. I think they do try their best in a lot of these things. Like they'll try to like adjust the lighting in certain parts of the areas. And I really liked um, the snowy areas that are closer to Anna or Elsa's castle. Uh, They have like this really uh, cool wind shaped spike icicles that would like stick off the back of these rocks. Like, like there was like this crazy windstorm that just blasted them and uh, froze them in place with like these big spikes on the end of them. I thought that was really cool. Uh, but obviously you can't repeat all of that throughout the whole mountain. Um, so yeah, I felt like, you know, kind of like what you said, sure. It would have been nice if we got to go to Arendelle, like it would have been nice that there was a little bit more variety uh, to the, some of the locations. So uh, yeah, I think, I, I probably scored King of Corona higher, and I uh, agree that uh, maybe you know it has less flaws. I will still say the general impression for me is still higher. So I'm gonna go with. I think I gave Kingdom of Corona like eight point five, maybe maybe a nine. I don't know. I'm gonna say eight seven five, and. Most of my issues are with, like I said, the coherency of the story, uh, you know, mostly being like the uh, adventure through it. And then also uh, once, uh, you know, once once you've gone through it all, it's like, like, where did I go? What did I do? But my main uh, love for this world has to do with all the events that happened, I feel like all the things that happened in it are awesome it, by themselves. The way they were connected is my main issue. Uh, so yeah, eight seven five. Churro, how about you? I have to kind of like mirror what you said. You know, the presentation is out of this world, but the main flaws just come down to like, you know, the a little bit of the um, you know level design, and then you know the gameplay aspects with the you know using Larsine to create an ice labyrinth even though that's not her thing just an excuse to give an obstacle for Sora to get through um you know then it just like from there it just turns from there it just goes like you know the story is just I don't know for me it just it feels it feels rushed at the end you know yeah understandable like like when you, you know, have to rescue Elsa, then it gets to the main, you know, scene from the game where it's like, you know, after you defeat the boss, the final boss of the, the world, it's like, then you could come across, you know, Elsa finally, you know, clearing out everything. And then all of a sudden it's over. It's done. Exactly. And, and it, it's like spring's here, but yeah, when you go back to the world, it's winter again. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that is another aspect that's a little weird. So I mean I'm I'm so it's still a great world but there's just some notable flaws and some of the 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 game you know the level design some of the story quick to rush and yeah a seven eight point seven five is what I'm gonna give it yeah that's fair all right so uh, yeah I think that pretty much wraps up our discussion for this episode next episode we'll talk about pirates and Big Hero Six and I'll just say right off the bat those are some of my favorite worlds in the whole game so 
moving on from there, uh, we got our music segment. This episode, our music comes from Ruse Piano on YouTube. She's a Chinese pianist that covers a lot of like anime and video games. And this is a cover of Dearly Beloved from Kingdom Hearts 3. So specifically a Kingdom Hearts 3 version of Dearly Beloved. So I hope you enjoy that. And uh, yeah, our next episode of Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for April 2nd. Unfortunately, we just missed April Fool's Day. I'm sorry, we're, we're probably not going to pull a prank on you, maybe. No promises, but I don't think hey, we will. Hey, we still can. But April 2nd, I don't know. I feel bad. I'll, I'll have to think about it. All right, so, and uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, as always, if you guys like the show, please subscribe to both Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts, and we're number one. And, of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com or Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at Cage Union. And remember, please support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And if you want your questions answered, which I promise we'll be getting to questions on the next episode. If you want your questions answered, please send them to khuquestions at gmail.com. All right, Churro. It is that time again. It is goodbye time. It's goodbye time. It was actually a lot of fun. I, I like discussing the world. Yeah, definitely. And just, again, just want to give a big thank you to Tasha thank from Pixar. Thank you so much, Tasha. So appreciated. It was a really great time talking with you, and I hope... Maybe in the future, once we've been through Kingdom Hearts 4, we can talk again. <laughs> yes, and, you know, it's thank you so much for, your, you know, taking time out of your schedule for this. You know, we really appreciate it. Yeah, highly appreciated. Oh, and also, just want to give a quick shout-out to our lovely co-host, Sabrina. Want to wish her a happy birthday. I know it's going to be late by the time this comes out, but happy birthday. So, I'm Brandon, saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com Production.